Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Hello and welcome to episode 203 of Let's Talk Loyalty. An incredible two years on from the last interview we did with Mando Connect and YouGov in the UK. Today we're discussing their latest white paper, which was presented for the first time just a week ago to the UK loyalty industry. The 2022 joint project is the third edition of this research. Truly the UK's only comprehensive loyalty market study And this year, it's simply called What Brits Want from Loyalty Programs Now. So joining me in this discussion to share her key insights is Charlie Hills, the well-known self-confessed data nerd who leads Mando Connect and is the brains behind this project. We're also joined by Nick Fishbourne, the group account director at YouGov an independent global research, data and analytics company. I hope you enjoy our discussion and all of the fantastic learnings for loyalty professionals. I really believe it's a comprehensive, independent piece of research, analysing the topics, attitudes, opinions and behaviours that are driving the loyalty industry today in this sophisticated and diverse market. So, first and foremost, bright and early, Charlie and Nick joining me from the UK. Welcome back to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank Thank you. Great to be here. Yes, and actually, Charlie, you've been on the show twice. So anybody who hasn't heard you before um, is going to just get an incredible insight, I suppose, into the type of the work you do with Mando Connect. And of course, this incredible research that we're talking about today with Nick from YouGov. So before we get into this actually incredibly exciting piece of research, I will say, <laughs> I've been geeking out on it all morning. Um, let's start by uh, the usual question, I suppose, about our favorite loyalty programs. And maybe Nick, if you start, because you haven't been on the show before. So let's give us your favorite loyalty program, please. Yeah, of course. Um, it's an interesting question, actually. I think if you'd have asked me that, maybe three or four years ago i was living in australia and uh doing a lot of traveling uh because we were living abroad and so we were uh, we were members of the the amex qantas loyalty program Mm. and they have a i think it's i was speaking to charlie about this recently very much a a world leading program it's it's really beneficial if you're flying a lot and um, yeah putting your shopping on your amex card and things like that Mm. um but you know, fast forward a few years to today, and I've got a one-year-old and a two-year-old at home living back in the UK, and it's probably something like Prime. I can't, I can't think of a, a loyalty program that's more <laughs> apt for a new parent than unlimited TV and next-day nappy deliveries. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yes, yeah. Well, congratulations. I know you've got two young ones. I think one and two-year-old, Nick, if I'm yeah, right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Okay, well, go Amazon Prime, so... Yeah. <laughs> A lifesaver and solving real pain. That's brilliant. Yeah, great. So, Charlie, what, you know, given your incredible uh, work in the industry and again, this huge piece of research you've just done, tell me what's your favorite loyalty program at the moment? 
Well, it's a really brilliant question because this year, for the first year, we actually asked Brits what their favourite loyalty programme was, but I'm sure we'll come to that in the course of the research. So without yeah. giving away any spoilers, my favourite is actually one of the top 10 um, British favourites uh, for loyalty, and it's a relatively new programme. It's called Little Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I particularly like about it is it was just so positively disruptive. It kind of launched into the market with an enormous bang. I think the brand took one look at the rules of grocery loyalty and went sort of talk to their customers and understand that actually that's not what their customers wanted at all. So there's no card, there's no points, there's loads of gamification, there's weekly offers. It's a really fun program, but it offers a huge amount of value um, back to its customer base as well. And the results have been phenomenal. So I think that would be my favorite. Um, I thoroughly enjoy using it sort of personally as well as professionally, but I think it just gets that edge just because it really shook things up when it arrived. And it's absolutely a great point, Charlie, because, you know, certainly for U.S. listeners, you know, Lidl is a discount grocery retailer. Absolutely genius, I suppose, in its overall business model. So it's true to say that Lidl is disruptive in grocery anyway. So certainly the same applies in in loyalty. So and they've also been shortlisted, I know, for you for the upcoming International Loyalty Awards. So congratulations on that. Thank you. They're um, they're a great kind of client team, and yeah, they're up for a few awards this year. So I'm I'm really hopeful that um, that we bring home some trophies. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great program. Great, great. So listen, it is the second time we've talked about this piece of research on the show, Charlie. And to me, it is the definitive piece of thought leadership on loyalty in the UK market. Um, Incredibly comprehensive. And obviously, Nick will talk us through exactly how it's compiled. But before we get into that, I'd love to know why you, as I suppose a loyalty agency, why do you feel this type of research is important to conduct for the industry? Yeah, it's... um... I think when we founded Mando Connect, we our USP was very much that we would always be led by data. Uh, I think there can be a lot of subjectivity um, in loyalty. And we wanted to actually really understand what customers wanted from loyalty. And the first thing we did, we have a great partnership with Ogilvy, was we sat down with the Ogilvy Insights team and we went, right, what research is out there about loyalty in the UK? Yeah. And they were able to reference some fantastic global research, you know, the Bond report, some brilliant yeah. reports out yeah. of Australia, South Africa. Um, but in the UK, which I think is one of the most advanced sort of loyalty markets in the world, there was sort of a a blank page. We had lots of sort of client-specific small pieces of research or small looks at kind of one sector, but nothing actually went, what's happening in this market? Um, And that was when we really formed our partnership with YouGov because we thought, actually, what we want to do is is create the the first study into actually what's going on. So we did our first one in 2018. We did our second one in 2020. And then this is number three in 2022. And I think it's our most comprehensive yet. Every year we go out and we talk to loyalty thought leaders to understand understand what the big questions are that they're facing. So Mm. we build on the research from the previous year and then we add in new data points and some of the new points that we've looked at this year include what's the most appealing program in the UK. That's the first time that's ever been tracked. Yeah. Uh, we've also looked at sustainability being a really key new trend that we saw pre-pandemic massively accelerated um, in the new normal and the new world that we're in. So I think there's been that kind of that constant evolution. Um, but yeah. that's why we do it. Plus, in all honesty, we're sort of loyalty nerds. We're a bit like you, Paula. We <laughs> love research. We love understanding what's going on. And I think my favorite yeah. part of the process is 
almost the little bit that comes after. You do the research, you understand what's going on, and then we think about how can we apply it and, and what can we see that's coming. And yeah. we did the great, one of the big questions this year that we worked really hard on with Nick was about rewards of the future. Um, and I think that's really interesting as well. So the research kind of looks at what's what's happened, but also what can we see coming? For sure. Yeah. And when I think back to my days as a loyalty director as well, Charlie, I can only imagine being on a waiting list actually for you to come in and present the results. So <laughs> I'm sure that's extraordinary for, for everybody in the industry. Well, that's what's so exciting about it, actually. I think we were we were quite surprised almost of how popular it's become. And I still get I still send it to my mum. I still Aww. get really excited when it comes out <laughs> and you, you, know, you see it in print and you see it in the press. You know, Anish from Loyalty Magazine wrote a really yeah. big article about it. Yeah. And the wise marketer always features it. So it's really excited to see it in that sort of thought leadership press. And the really fun stuff that we do then with all our clients afterwards is we run all the data um, for every single one of our clients. So, for example, wow. we work with Vodafone. And we, we run all the data for Vodafone. We run it for mm. Vodafone Business. We run it for Very Me members, which is Vodafone's big UK loyalty program. And yeah. then we can look at how it varies by those different audiences and see what impact the loyalty program is having. And mm. then we use it, obviously, to then plan what we should be working on for the next 12 months. So yeah. that's my favourite bit about it, the fact that we can then apply it sort of so easily and so quickly. And, and that's what's so great about the way that we work with YouGov. We can see it at so many layers. Sure, sure, absolutely. And I mean, it doesn't even need to be said, but I think it's important just in, in passing to say, you know, the consumer behavior insights have changed so dramatically in the last two years. So, you know, at the risk of overstating it, I think this is perhaps the most important piece of research you've done so far. So so let's uh, come over to you, Nick. And, and um, first of all, maybe will you introduce YouGov for us? Because I'm very familiar now, obviously, having worked with Charlie before, but a incredibly impressive research service globally. Um, so, yeah, tell us a bit about YouGo, first of all, and then exactly how you do this research for us. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Um, so, YouGo is a, a global research and data company. So, we offer market research to um, governments, companies, organizations, charities worldwide. So, we operate in, uh, I think we're about 55 markets now. And globally, we have a panel size of around 17 million consumers and, and B2B professionals. So um, wow. it's, it's a real kind of cross-section of the global population. Yeah. And in the UK, we have a panel size of about 1.2 million. And wow. the way that this partnership with um, Mando has evolved over the years is it predates me. I understand Charlie was... Um, uh, really kind of underpinned the work that we did uh, a number of years ago to build out the loyalty programming and partnerships section yeah. of one of our syndicated data products called Profiles. Now, if you think of Profiles as an enormous data bank, and it's made up of, um, I think there's something like 240,000 different data points in there. Wow. And it's made up of about 300,000 of our most active panelists in the UK. And then mm -hmm. we have a, a corresponding product in each market. Mm -hmm. And the way that, that this partnership works with Mando is not only is Charlie able to use the data within profiles, but we can also run bespoke ad hoc research with our panel and then upload that data into the profiles data set. So, you know, as you were saying earlier, it's been a incredibly turbulent few years and mm -hmm. the ability to to not only have this this data set which is constantly evolving mm -hmm. and updating but also to be able to run ad hoc research just on the fly if there's a 
you know, mm. an area of um, insight that isn't covered in profiles that you really need. We can run that, upload that into profiles, and then you can see that data in the context of all those other data points. Wonderful. Um, so that's really how the insight for this, um, yeah. this white paper was driven. Okay. So it's predominantly quantitative research uh, conducted online. Am I right? That's right. Yeah, we do have a qualitative arm, but um, yeah, predominantly okay. it's a uh, quantitative. Research. Okay. And what kind of sample size then are we talking about in terms of this loyalty research? Because I know it is nationally representative. So, so what does it take to get um, you know research at this scale? So, um, the the ad hoc research questions we ran with a sample size of two thousand um, mm-hmm. to make sure it was you know really statistically robust so that you could cut and slice and dice the data and um, mm. analyze it at a really granular level and still draw um, you know, concrete conclusions out of that data. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the the data points that are in profiles are, um, well, they're you know, particularly numerous. There's, there's 300,000 individuals making up that data set. Wow. And when you're in the platform, creating audiences, creating profiles, Okay. Um, there's functionality in it that will let you know what sample size is driving the data that you're drawing. Okay, um, so cool. you can always keep an eye on that and make sure that you're staying statistically robust. Okay. So your clients log in and self-serve and find exactly the answers they need, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's there's a huge amount of data in there. It's, you know, we, we cover obviously standard demographics, age, gender, region, mm-hmm. life stage. Are you married? Do you have kids? Yeah. Um, but there's a, a wealth of information on media consumption, for example. Um, what channels are you consuming? Uh, mm. Where do you consume media? What advertising have you been exposed to? Mm. Um, there's a lot of attitudinal data as well. So, um, you know, what are your beliefs and perceptions that are driving your behavior? You know, what's, mm. what's your perception of things that are happening in current mm. affairs? Yeah. Um, so it really is like a, you know, a, a living, evolving data set. Okay. And just the actual, um, you know, schedule for when this was actually done. So here we are at the end of March and about to get into all the amazing insights. But when was the survey actually done for this, um, you know, white paper? Uh, it was around uh, the end of last year, early this year. Okay. So okay. Um, hot it's, off the presses. Uh, it's, it's pretty hot off the press. Yeah. Great. Um, Can we then make sure that we run it? So we ran all the data in January. Oh, um, wow. We wanted to make sure it was reflective of sort of the 2022 um, mindset. So that's okay. what we've aimed for each year with the white papers is to run oh, it in brilliant. January, allowing for the Christmas time lag. We always <laughs> let, them try yes. let the world go back to normal slightly and then kind of run it in the sort of second week in January. Okay. Um, and I think that's what's so lovely about the YouGov data, actually. So we can take a historic view so we can go back to all the previous January. So analysts, um, Leon had a really fun time going back. So we've got all the comparative data and making yeah. sure we run it kind of week on on week every time so yeah Yeah. it's a great data set for us so charlie what was the most exciting thing that you would say you learned in this uh, particular round of research then that's a really hard question to ask a loyalty nerd like pick your one thing everyone who knows me knows i love kind of swimming around in data and finding all the really exciting kind of key insights um i think there were there were probably two if it's all right to say two rather than one yeah 
I think, firstly, the new data that we had on how appealing do you find loyalty programmes was was quite exciting um, because nobody's ever asked that question before at a national level to understand actually which programmes were resonating. And I think what we found um, made a lot of sense, which I always find quite reassuring. You know, when you kind of look at something in context, actually, that does make sense. And I think what we found is that the biggest programmes in the UK are also the most appealing. And I think that makes sense because the more people know them, the more Mm. people are familiar with them, the more they get to see the benefits um, and the more that kind of that really brings home to them. But I think what was really exciting was that we learned that 65% of Brits find Tesco club card appealing, which I'm sure Tesco will be absolutely thrilled about. They're also up for some awards at the um, the loyalty awards. Yes. Nectar, quite a big drop down to 44%. Wow. Um, So I'm assuming that when the next team see this, they'll be like, oh my goodness, what can we do? How can we start to, you know, really impact that appeal versus club card and um, one of the things that I find personally quite interesting is obviously when you go into Tesco's you cannot help but see Tesco club card it's almost you know that the main mm. thing of their business and what they've done with pricing this year I think has been so you know extraordinary and they're really kind of leading the market so much that you know other programs like boots are following so I think we should all be keeping a really close eye on Tesco club card they never sit still sure. um, then comes boots Mm-hmm. A, a fantastic program that obviously we all know and love in the, in the UK. So four points for every pound. Yeah. They've got new pricing. They're doing a lot of exciting work in promotions and they're doing a lot of exciting in, in work in sort of triggered rewards as well. So again, a really exciting program. So those are the big three in the UK. Next comes Nick's favorite program, Amazon. Ooh. Which is a you know a program that I think during the pandemic, nearly every household in the UK, you know, became almost reliant. Yeah, on, on Amazon Prime for deliveries. Certainly, in my house, there's a constant stream. We, we try and limit it to our Amazon Day to be, you know, take a more sustainable approach to it. But you know, it's a huge program and, and beloved. And I think one of the things I love about it is that it's a subscription program. You know, it really changed yeah. the rules in the UK. You know, we have this endless debate about what's a loyalty program, what's a subscription program, and actually, I think Prime is a brilliant example of both. Yeah. At number five, we've then got the Co-op, a lovely program. At 23% with that lovely local ethos and support your local um, charities, which is a great program. Mm-hmm. Then we go down to Marks Spencer Sparks at mm-hmm. 21%, yeah. Little Plus at 18%, yeah. uh, Costa Club at 18%, 15% for Superdrug Health and Beauty Card, and 11% for Tesco Club Card Plus. Wow. So I think what's really exciting in that top 10 is you've got a real mix of you know the biggest and most established programs in the UK, but then the kind of the new contenders coming through as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little Plus. Plus, only launched, you know, just over a year ago. Really yeah. exciting new program, Costa Club. Um, yeah. Definitely check that out. That's a really exciting relaunch of one of the UK's biggest programs. They've yeah. done some really exciting things, moving away from points to back to a sort of bean collection mechanic. And I think my favourite mm. bit about the relaunch is that they're a really good example of a program who've really baked sustainability into their thinking. If you bring, um, if you use their own cups, yeah, you come eight times to get a free coffee but if you bring your own reusable cup mm. you only have to come four times to get oh. your coffee. So it's twice as good if you demonstrate sort of strong sustainable behaviors wow. um, and then sort of you know number 10 tesco club card plus that new disruptor that new subscription um, yeah. model that we're seeing coming through um in grocery and other sectors as well so yeah a really strong top 10 for us uh, we totally. did look at 50 programs as well so we can go the whole way through the tail and we can look at it by sector so with all 
of our clients were having a really mm. fun time looking at, you know, how are they performing in their sector? And um, it's great, but really great, a really strong top 10. That was sort of my first favorite stat. And then I think my, my second is then about the impact that loyalty programs are oh, having. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's top of every loyalty marketer's agenda. Everybody's yeah. looking at the business case at the moment. You know, what impact am I having? How mm. can I have a stronger impact? And I think what's great to see is that in the UK, we're seeing an increased impact um, in loyalty programs over time as, as we've run mm. the research. Mm. So we know that um, 48% of Brits will find a more a brand more appealing if it offers mm-hmm. a loyalty program. Yeah. 35% will feel a stronger emotional connection. So programs are really kind of delivering against our customers' hearts, I think, which is, is really fantastic. They're also delivering against their wallets. So 43% will spend more if they're mm-hmm. a member of a loyalty program. And in mm-hmm. new data this year, we also looked at its impact on frequency, which actually came out as our biggest kind of impact. So 59% of Brits will shop more often if mm-hmm. they have a loyalty program. And I I think that's something that's yeah. so important in Britain at the moment as we try and get people back into shops and back into stores and back into shopping behaviours. So 59% of Brits will shop more often if they have a loyalty programme. And then we're also seeing a really strong impact on behaviour as well. So 48% um, will be more loyal mm. and, and 40% will actually recommend your brand more if you mm. have a loyalty programme. So again, okay. a really strong set of impact stats. Yeah. So those are my yeah. two favourites. Oh, they're wonderful. Yeah. And I think what I've heard, uh, you know, certainly over the last couple of years is, you know, we in the industry have increasingly relied on our loyalty programs and every company that you speak to will suddenly say, oh my goodness, you know, this is the time to invest in loyalty. So I think that's um, dramatically changing the industry and we'll definitely talk about that coming through as well. But also I think it'll probably be time before consumers fully see the results of that. But when we have this data, which proves the commercial rationale, I think we're off to a flying start because that's, I think, where we struggle the most. So well done on those um, fabulous um, favourite ones. And uh, Nick, then, what would you say was your favourite learning then, particularly from all of these? I, I don't know how many questions you asked to get so many insights. I think there's top eight, I suppose, in your white paper. Am I right with that, Charlie? Yeah, that's what we put in the speech, actually, for the event. Um, that's what we, we really sort of pulled out as a kind of top eight kind of key insights. But in all okay. honesty, I think we can we can keep going for ages. There, oh. There's so much in there. The, okay. um, the way that we ask the questions is, you know, we have the kind of the panel data and the loyalty data points that we've built with YouGov over the years. And yeah. then, as Nick said, we asked those kind of five extra kind of killer questions in bespoke research yeah. um, that we did on top this year. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's hard to pick our favourites. Yeah, I, th- I think what was quite interesting for me was comparing the data with previous runs, particularly the, the 2018 figures. Mm. And we saw that this year, 70% of us are still members of a loyalty program. Okay. But that figure has actually declined slightly over the mm. last few years, um, declined by 7%. And initially, you know, we were quite surprised by that. And we were thinking, well, yeah. what's driving that? But but when you think about it, as we touched on earlier, the, the last couple of years have been, um, you know, tumultuous to say the least. Uh, yeah. We've had Brexit. There's been supply chain issues with Suez Canal. Um, mm. Of course, we have moved into COVID, um, and now we're dealing with the um, with the conflict in Ukraine. So, I mean, if you just take COVID on itself, like us Brits have been in lockdown for most of the last couple of years, and we just mm. haven't simply been able to get out and interact with loyalty programs. Yeah. And, 
you know, an extension of that is when you look at even at a, a specific sector, you think something like travel has been enormously impacted and, and travel mm. is a, a real key sector for the loyalty industry. So I think it's not that uh, loyalty hasn't been on the agenda for brands. It's just the fact that they've, you know, they've had to pivot so much over the last few years yeah. and deal with the, the shifting sand beneath their feet. And I think that's probably what we're seeing um, yeah. in the data there. You're totally right. And yes, I suppose that was my most striking statistic, I guess. I don't know if favourite would be the word I'd use, but certainly striking, um, important for the industry to be aware of. I've already referenced the fact that we're hearing so much more investment going into the industry. But I do think what we're also seeing from consumers is that they're really making more considered choices. So if our loyalty programs aren't compelling and really don't give us very good reasons to you know, share data, for example, and I know there's particular demographics of concerns in the UK market, which we'll talk about, but I think it is an alarm call in some ways to say that overall membership has dropped from 77% of the UK population to 70%. So um, important one to notice and I guess keep us on our toes. So what, what I other... I think also, sorry, yeah. just to jump in there, I think that that speaks volumes for the important of make, importance of making sure mm. that the business decisions as we go through these periods are, are data-led, as, as Charlie yeah. touched yeah. on earlier, um, that you know, you, you're not kind of making these decisions yeah. quite subjectively. You're actually totally. drawing real robust data um, and using that to... to to help draw conclusions and YouGov has a we have a big focus internally on neutrality so we're there okay. as an organization to, yeah. to, to draw the data and to, to mm. provide insight we're not there to take sides yeah so throughout um, the pandemic um, again throughout the the war in the Ukraine we're actually publishing a huge amount of data free of charge on our website anyone can can go to the site, read editorials, read insight, um, see graphs, statistical analysis. And we've been doing that really because we feel a responsibility. You know, we, as I said earlier, we have access to 17 million individuals worldwide. And um, while we're running a business, I think we like to take our social responsibility quite seriously. Um, and if we can provide information, um, you know, for example, what are Brits feeling about the refugee crisis or mm. um, how are they feeling about vaccinations or lockdown mm. laws? Yeah. Um, you know, if we can provide information that's going to support organisations that may not have the budget to, mm -hmm. to to run bespoke research, then, you know, I, I think we feel a responsibility to do that. And that is something that we do. Well, well done, Nick. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. That's incredibly exciting. So a wonderful service. And it is fantastic that you can be of service to all of us. And again, budgets can be super challenging at these kind of crazy times. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. So, Charlie, what do you make of this um, overall drop in membership? And, and what do you think is working and, and maybe what isn't working? Yeah, I think when we 
sat there and went through it with you, Gov. And I think that's what's lovely about their independence. You know, anybody yeah. listening can be really confident in the research. I think sometimes when an agency puts together research, there can be an element of scepticism to it. But that's totally. what's great about that YouGov partnership. So anyone listening can be really confident in that, that, you know, it's really validated. And I think when we first got that, um, that kind of that stat through about the drop in membership, we were, you know, mm. pretty horrified prior to that. We, you know, we've kind of seen it flat or grow. It's great to see that the majority of Brits are engaged in, in loyalty programs. And then we sat back and thought about it and thought, actually, what have we seen in our the kind of client programs that we work on? What have we seen in the press? What do we think is driving that decline? And I think, mm. as Nick said, it's been that change in lifestyle that's come through, you know, even the most avid shopper, you know, when you're literally locked in your house, struggles yeah. to get out there and use their programs. And I know there's kind of those high street retail programs have seen drops in their membership. When you look at sectors like airlines and hotels, yeah. you know, where it was literally illegal um, to go, I think they've naturally yeah. seen a drop as well one mm-hmm. of the programs we work with regularly is called shell go plus which i know is a program it's a, a favorite of the podcast it's a fantastic yeah. program and we love working with it and we actually activated a big promotion during the initial lockdowns which was about engaging the existing base and and keeping people you know engaged and bringing some moments of joy in those really dark times you know as you went to fill mm-hmm. up we actually saw sort of consumers going into forecourts to play this promotion to actually have some fun and some kind of wow. like relief and win yeah. some prizes so yeah. I think there's been so much change and so much kind of held back that actually that's what we think is driving the decline and actually what mm. we're seeing is a real sort of pick up and re-engagement as people mm. come back so I think it's something we're going to keep a really close eye on this year and perhaps yeah. track monthly to see what's happening mm. in membership but our hypothesis is that based on what we can see is that it will pick back up to mm. that sort of 77% number and I think what's so interesting is that so many sectors are really focusing and, and innovating um, within their loyalty programs actually I wouldn't be surprised if this year we overtake that 77% number because there's Mm. there's so much press there's so much acquisition and the new insight that we learned this year which is a question I always get asked how many you know how many are they members of like we've never had the answer to that Yes, um, and we've guessed before. You know, <laughs> well, they're probably a member of Tesco Club Card and Boots. You know, that's quite mm, a big one. Yeah. Um, but who knows? And I think this year it was really exciting when we looked at it. We were like, ah, four, four is the number. It's so magic number. Brits, Brilliant. Yeah, yes, yeah. He's a member of four loyalty programs. Yeah. And then when we sat back and thought about it, we thought, well, which four? And that's what's quite interesting in the way that we track it because we can actually see, you know, for yeah. example, um, a Boots Advantage Card member is also a member of, and then we can see which other program nice. okay. we can work out which four um mm. but what's really exciting I think is it, it makes you think slightly differently as a loyalty marketer because I think naturally our clients and ourselves we look at what we would perceive to be the competitors in our sector Mm-hmm. So as I think I've talked, you know, we work quite a lot with Vodafone. We work quite a lot with Voxy in yeah. the telco um, sector, which is the sort mm. of the youth um, network that Vodafone sort of back. And it's really exciting because when we talk to those programs, you know, our initial sort of competitive set is the other telco programs. So we look sure. at Priority. We look at 3 Plus that just launched mm. in the UK. We'd be looking at Virgin Red. We'd be mm. looking at Sky VIP. But mm. when you then naturally think about, well, they're only a member of four programs. Actually, maybe your competitor 
isn't in your sector. Maybe your competitor is actually the biggest program in the retail sector or the biggest program in the pharmacy sector or the biggest program in, in travel. And I think that's quite an exciting mindset shift for the industry because yeah. you, should, you should always be looking at the sort of, you know, who else is in your field, who else is in your sector. But, you know, yeah. who are the other three that you're up against? Yeah. It's actually pretty unlikely that they're in your sector. You know, the big three mm-hmm. are likely to be the Tesco Club cards, mm-hmm. the Amazon Primes, the Boots Advantage card, as well as all the really exciting smaller programs that exist you know Hobbycraft Rewards Waterstones have got a great program mm, Paper mm. Chase Treat Me is a lovely program Pets at Home VIP yeah. one of my personal favourites yeah. um, since I joined you know the, the legions of Brits who acquired dogs in the last kind of <laughs> couple of years I think you know there's, there's some really exciting stuff going on there so I think that would be a top tip is to look outside of your sector you know who are the three that you're up against for your customers yeah. who are they yeah. benchmarking you against you're absolutely right Charlie because you know it's one thing to say how can we be the telco of choice for example but your consumer makes that decision once and then actually goes and as you said they shop in Tesco or they shop elsewhere and they're actually going oh now that's something I'm going to give my attention to so mm-hmm. we absolutely need to be looking at best in class and and actually reading your white paper Charlie I genuinely found it super inspiring just to see the depth and breadth of programs in the UK that you educated me on, you know, because again, I live very far away and no real depth of understanding, I suppose, of how all of these programs work. So just want to make sure everybody's as excited, I suppose, as I am about understanding, you know, exactly how exciting the UK market is. So super exciting. And it's moving so fast. I think, you know, one of the things I was like, oh, no, it's so annoying every time you write it. And then you go to sort of print and you lock it down and then there's another big piece of news. So Waitrose, you know, one of the big grocery programs in the UK, my Waitrose, yeah. really loved, quite iconic. You know, they were the first to do the free coffee while shopping. They were the first to do the free newspaper yeah. uh, while we were shopping. Has literally just relaunched. So it's not in the white paper, which is a loyalty nerd I'm gutted about. You know, yeah. We've done it just as we've gone to print. Um, but there's, you know, there's a constant stream of new news and new things happening in loyalty. So we actually yeah. we do a monthly engine room um, that we that we run all the time. And actually, we look in that at what's changing consumer, what research mm. is going on elsewhere, what's happening in the market, and we share that sort of for all our clients every month with the kind of latest news because it's mm. quite a tough market to keep up with. Um, totally. You know. Totally. Yes. And I, I hope think, it won't be two years before we do the next round of this, for example. So, um, I, so I think while we're on the topic of, yeah. of how the direction that things are moving, one of the things I found really interesting in the white paper was there is a, a bespoke question that we we ran for the, for the project. And um, it was a question around the types of rewards that people would be willing to receive and I think Charlie touched on this earlier mm-hmm. and it was really people's desire to receive, receive um, new technologies as their rewards and actually 64% said that they weren't really interested in those types of rewards so we're talking about smart devices wearable tech mm-hmm. cryptocurrency NFTs yeah. and I think that's something that's really going to change as we continue to run these these data dips and these white papers. Yeah. I think certainly in my professional life, the, um, the the metaverse, blockchain, crypto, all of these things are increasingly becoming um, more and more prevalent. I think in, we're probably in a, a stage of early adoption at the mm. moment, which is why we're seeing that you know, the vast yeah. majority of people aren't interested. But mm-hmm. I can see that you know, like the adoption of the internet was 
certainly yeah. that, the whole curve. I think that's probably what we're going to see in new technology. And I think that's, that's definitely one to watch as well. Mm, yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree, Nick. You know, I find it super fascinating to read all about, you know, the super cool and, you know, um, innovative ideas. But in terms of practicality and what's actually going to change my everyday life, it's um, it's unlikely that I'm going to engage with those just yet. Absolutely, Whereas if I can yeah. get a really nice, you know, whether it's a sausage roll or a newspaper or a chocolate or coffee, um, definitely something that's pretty universal. So, I think what was wonderful to see coming through and, you know, again, not surprising is that rewards are the reason people join, the reason people engage. So given that it's not surprising, um, Charlie, I'd love you to just comment on the role of rewards, you know, and how it compares to um, other reasons that people join or engage with our programs, just to get a sense of what, what are the priorities for consumers? Yeah, and I think this is something, a drum that I've been beating for a long time um, yeah. in the loyalty industry. I keep Me lobbying too. Totally. Um, rewards for best rewards and benefits. And I have as yet to see, you know, any kind of body that recognises that actually the yeah. most important thing you have to get right in your programme is, is the reason for people to join and then the reason to stay um, yeah. and engage. And that's rewards. Um, it always feels a little self-serving given that I run a partnerships and rewards <laughs> agency, but I can promise you that we did this with you gov and it was validated it isn't um our kind of you know our thing but it's so important i have sat in so much research over my entire career and mm. every single time you sit down with consumers and you talk to them about their programs they will often describe the program by what they get they'll say oh you know oh that's the program that gives me yes. X, yeah. you know, Nick did it earlier. Yeah. Amazon Prime, it wasn't described as Amazon Prime. Amazon yeah. Prime was described as the program that gives him nappies yeah. um, and unlimited <laughs> TV. Yeah, I think it's, it's my life's so, so rock and roll. Yeah, I know. <laughs> rock star. Don't worry, don't worry, you'll get through it. You'll get through it. You'll get back. We'll have them at a festival in no time. Um <laughs> but it is, it's one of those things, you know, the rewards is number one. And we can't say, it, you know, often yeah. enough. Yeah. When you look at, you know, when you talk to Brits about, well, what makes you join a program? Mm. Then 60% of them will say, well, it's the discounts and offers that I yeah. get. That's the most important thing. 28% yeah. of them then want partner rewards. Yes. And then 23% of them want kind of free services, products and benefits that they get. We've got a, red, a really savvy audience in the UK. They really understand what loyalty programs can give them and they really Really know what they want so mm. I think it's really exciting to see that so the top three reasons that people join programs yeah. are all rewards and then in at number four with 12% we have sort of being the first to know and being on the inside edge and I think that's great but kind of top mm. three reasons to join an auto program are all about the rewards this year we wanted to ask about engagement as well because I think what we've seen yeah. the last two years is an increasing focus on retention mm -hmm. and our recognition from brands and programs that their existing customers are really important to them their existing members really matter and actually keeping their hearts and, yeah. and keeping their minds and keeping their wallets is, is really, really important. So we've seen a, a great increase in focus on active rates, member retention, mm. churn reduction, that kind of area. And I think so that was why this year we wanted to ask customers, you know, actually what makes you stay? What makes you love and keep using was how we phrased the question, the loyalty program, nice. if you remember. Yeah. And we were delighted to see rewards come in at number one again, which was yeah. Um, so people told us that having good offers, rewards and benefits that are always changing and updating is the most important thing that a program can do to keep engagement and keep retention. So we had 52 percent of Brits tell mm. us that that was the most important thing. And I think that's quite exciting for those programs that 
you know, are constantly refreshing their reward portfolio. It's like a big tick. Like, yes, you've got it right. Yeah. Um, second um, kind of variable that people wanted was um, the same thing, but always the same. So we've got a contingent of Brits for whom actually they don't like all the change and the churn. They actually just want one thing. So 44% of Brits said that that was really important. And then after that um, comes the sort of the platform experience and actually having a simple and effort-free kind of account management and user experience, which yeah. I think is an area as well we've seen a huge amount of investment in i think when you yeah. look back at loyalty programs from 10 years ago you know you had to work really hard to get your totally benefit. yeah 50 fields of, of data and <laughs> there was a lot of maths involved how many points have i got what's my point worth and, you know and you compare that to now you know with little plus where you just literally go in and it's on your phone and you yeah. just swipe it as you go through yeah. um i think you know there's, there's been a huge investment in that and it's really paying back but rewards mm. are still kind of number one and, and and number two for for what keeps people loving and using programs so i think that was really yeah. interesting to see. Yeah. And it's music to my ears as well, Charlie, because I think, again, we can get, you know, so concerned, for example, about the technology and about, you know, other principles of loyalty, like, you know, how can we personalize this? How can we be omni-channel? Like all of those things really do matter. But as you've said, if you don't get the absolute reward right, like that value proposition is literally what you will live or die by. So I think it's huge recognition. And again, I know you're in the industry, but as I've said to you, I think exactly on this show two years ago, we had the exact same research conclusions. Mm. And my interpretation and certainly the business's interpretation, and this perhaps was in, again, the telco sector, it was, I think, the perception of our consumers that if we did go out and partner with other companies, that they really realized that that was something over and above what the business could do kind of quite easily internally, again, with a discount here or an offer there. But if you did go out and get them a coffee, which we did, they were like, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, you guys are doing that. So yeah, I think there is something inherent there where consumers are picking up on it and totally value it. So again, validating all of the work and conclusions you're doing. Yeah, we love partner rewards. I mean, obviously yeah. we do, but I think it's so important as a program owner because I yeah. think if you ask yourself the genuine and honest question, you know, what are the rewards and benefits that I can give my members and what yeah. do they really love, really want and really value? Yeah. I think as a program owner, you have to ask that question broadly. You yeah. can't ask it. You can't look almost in your back pocket and go, well, yeah. what have I got that I can sort of repurpose totally. um, for free, ideally, and then sort of pass off as a reward? I think you genuinely have to start with your audience and actually mm. what is it they really want and value? And I think a yeah. lot of that will come from your own portfolio and your own capability. The reason your customer is your customer is because they yeah. love your products and, and they need what you're selling. Mm. Um, but I think you do have to look bigger. And as you say, you know, for a mm. telco brand to offer coffee, I think is a fantastic mm. partnership. You know, it's a really rich partnership in the UK. Mm. We see a lot of that. And yeah. we also see a lot done in cinema, um, yeah. which is really exciting. There are some brilliant cinema partnerships out there. And I think what's really important is that blend of the big everyday mass stuff, you know, the dining partnerships, the coffee partnerships, the cinema partnerships that you know that the majority of your customers are going to really, really love. Mm. And then supplementing that with the things that you know are that extra kind of bit, that bit that's unique to you. I think Sky VIP is a fantastic program at doing that in the UK. They're mm. absolute masters of looking at what their customers love and their members yeah. love and yeah. creating these once in a lifetime incredible experiences. I'd thoroughly recommend checking that out. Mm. I think Very Me Rewards from Vodafone is another really good example of a program that 
customers, really investing to understand what its customers want and then serving breadth and variety so that no matter what you love, there's mm. a fantastic reward in there. They've just done a big partnership with Just Eat. You know, Brits love a takeaway. Yes. We can't get away from it. And there's a fantastic <laughs> kind of market leading partnership that they've negotiated there and built with Just Eat just for Very Me members, mm. which is really exciting. They've announced that they're um, sponsoring Wimbledon, um, which is again, you know, one of Brits' yeah. great loves, you know, this year more than ever with Emma um, in the frame. And I think yeah. you know, it's really exciting. Sort of really look at what your customers love that you yeah. can offer, but also outside and, and really excite them. And I think, you know, there's yeah. a reason that 28% of Brits want partner rewards and 23% want, you know, rewards yeah. from the brand themselves. They are, you can be a little bit more exciting. If totally. you're running a program in a sort of a slightly more boring sector, um, you know, <laughs> we you all know those outside your sector and, you know, <laughs> find some really great stuff. Totally, totally. And I guess coming from outside the loyalty industry, Nick, were you surprised with any of those conclusions? And I think particularly, I suppose, the fact that simplicity is coming in in third place as a reason to engage, you know, again, way above things like personalization. Again, I think is a bit of a wake up call for all of us to say, of course, personalization is important, but actually just let's keep it simple so people actually understand what they're getting. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if people, if people don't understand something, it, it probably breeds a bit of a feeling of mistrust. You kind of think, you know, uh, the brand's trying yeah. to hide something or, or get away with something. And yeah. I, I think certainly, you know, just from the YouGov lens, um, engagement and, and trust with a, a brand is so important. One of the things we're finding, um, with our, our panelists who we um, reward for, for completing mm. surveys, giving us data sure. is that increasingly they're actually not so bothered about financial rewards, but they really want to know how their data is being used. So for example, if, mm. um, if a, a panelist provides a lot of data for a research and that data fuels um, a press release for a, a mm. PR firm, We'll actually track that and we'll send the panelists that answered that questionnaire a link to that press release and we can say, hey, thanks for your data. This is, you know, yeah. this is what it's fueling. Lovely. And that's yeah. that's invaluable. And I think yeah. people today, they you know, they they want to contribute to something bigger than themselves. And they yeah, if they can see how their their information, their insight, their opinion is fueling commerce and, and allowing companies to make decisions, then yeah. I, I think that's invaluable. And yeah, and I think it picks up on the whole idea as well of being seen, you know, mm. because as human beings, actually, we just want to know that we're making a difference and that people are listening and taking notice. So I think that's a, a very thoughtful gesture and not one I've heard before in market research. So again, well done to you, Gov, on that one. <laughs> Thank you. I can't take the credit for that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> no worries at all. I think the last big topic then that you guys touched on was the whole piece about sustainability. And again, you know, back to the Loyalty Awards, for example, I know that's been on the radar now for a couple of years. The conference we met at ourselves, Charlie, there was definitely a whole discussion about um, eco-loyalty. But tell us what is the role of sustainability, would you say now, again, coming through the pandemic, we've got a lot of, you know, getting back to normal to do. So where is sustainability in terms of people's priorities, would you say? Yeah, I think it's it's a really exciting and important change that we've seen in the industry. So in 2018, we yeah. went around all the thought leaders 
and it yeah. didn't come up as a topic. No one was thinking about it, particularly wow. in 2018. In yeah. 2020, we started to ask about it because we saw it coming. Yeah. Um, we hadn't seen a, whole, a huge amount of activity in this space in loyalty, but we could see it happening in other areas. And I think you know, to Nick's point there, data privacy is a big trend that we've seen in marketing. We see it reflected in loyalty. Sustainability is a key one. Corporate social responsibility and helping charities and good causes um, yeah. is something kind of equally important um, and close to our hearts. We do a lot in, the, in that space as an agency and our clients all mm. do as well. And I think sustainability was an area we really wanted to dig into and we really wanted to understand because I think, quite frankly, as an industry, we don't do enough. So yeah. in this um, research, we learned that the majority of Brits now want programmes to help people live sustainable, live sustainably and help the environment. So 71% of British people said that wow. that was important that loyalty programmes should do. And I think if you looked at that, you wouldn't find 71% of programmes doing something in this space. Sure. So 71% of Brits want it. And programmes yeah. are doing things, but they're not perhaps doing as much. I think when we then dug into, well, actually, what is it that you want programmes um, to do? We didn't ask the question unprompted because we thought, actually, there aren't that many programmes doing it. So if we ask the question unprompted, Brits, I think, are going to look at us and go, well, I, I yeah. don't really know what they can do. So yeah. what we did is we worked quite closely with YouGov to do a review of the industry understand what was happening, what we could see happening in other markets, yeah. and what we think should be happening. And we asked Brits, well, actually, which of these things should they be doing? Yeah. And what we learned was that 44% um, want programmes to reward sustainable or environmentally friendly behaviours. Now, mm. that's huge, because I think yeah. if you sit there as a loyalty marketer and go, what am I doing to reward um, sustainable or environmentally friendly behaviours? Yeah. In all honesty, most programmes in the UK will be, well, not much. Yeah. I think the cluster example that I talked about earlier is a flagship, something to look at as a loyalty program. But actually, that's a really great example of actually rewarding sustainable yeah. behaviours. After that came offer rewards that help people live more sustainably. So 43% of Brits wanted that. And I think, again, that's something where as a loyalty program um, owner, that's not a difficult thing to help with. So actually, you can offer rewards that help people live more sustainably. Mm. Um, a really great example of that is TK Maxx Treasure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really innovative program. It's really fun. There's a lot of gamification in it, keys that you earn to sort of claim rewards that you can either win or get for yourselves. But what's always really important and sort of central to TK Maxx's thinking is that they will always offer within that portfolio rewards that help people live more sustainably. So the, a great example of that is a reusable wax wrap for food, oh, um, which is nice. a really lovely reward, quite yes. simple to execute and source. But mm. actually kind of customers look at that and they recognize it as something that helps them live more sustainably and reduce their single-use sort of plastic um, yeah. consumption. So I think sometimes when we look at sustainability, we can think, oh my goodness, it, it has to be massive. It has to yeah. be a, a core yeah. crop. And actually you can do some quite simple things that then actually start to make a difference. Yeah. Next came supporting environmental charities. Mm -hmm. I think um, Marks and Spencer Sparks probably leads the way in this in the UK. Fantastic program. They group their chat, um, charities into really interesting um, categories and they've got some really lovely environmental charities within that. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's something that we saw pre-pandemic. We saw it massively accelerated during the pandemic when everybody was giving to the NHS um, yeah. charities. Yeah. And now actually, 
actually we've sort of seen it drop off slightly. So I really want the industry to, to really pick that up and, and keep that. I think that's really central that, that we do good yeah. um, within it. After that, um, offering rewards from brands that help and support sustainable causes. I think there's some really exciting brands out there that have this baked into their DNA. We're a huge fan of Tom's um, in my family, but there's a lot of brands out there who, you know, buy yeah. one with one um, for whom is a core proposition or have really strong kind of charitable components, environmental components. And I think that can also should also inform um, the brands that you work with. Offering a digital loyalty card rather than a plastic or paper one comes next. Totally. Um, yeah. Then providing information about mm-hmm. environmental um, issues and sustainability. And lastly, sort of offering forums. This one wasn't terribly popular. Only 8% of Brits were interested in that, but forums to discuss environmental and sustainability issues and sort of suggest solutions. But I think there's a lot that as program owners we could be doing around sustainability and it's certainly a key priority for us for sort of this year and beyond. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you've given the answers actually and you have prompted the consumers for that one because again, I think the industry is struggling to know what can we do and what will customers value. So a really nice approach on that one. Mm. Would you say, Nick, you were um, surprised by anything on the sustainability side? No, I I think it's it's brilliant that the the industry is moving in that direction i I think i think we as consumers have a responsibility to Mm. be a bit more self-aware in terms of how we're acting and making sure that we are acting sustainably but i I think companies also have a big role to play there um you know just thinking about YouGov obviously being my lens and our, our UK office runs on 100% renewable energy now. Mm. We have quite a few initiatives that, are, you know, every few weeks there's something going on in the London office. I think yesterday the message went around that they've completely got rid of any disposable um, cups in the office for tea, coffee, water. So mm. um, it's little things like that that uh, I think companies and multi-marketers, you know, yeah. for example, have um, have a responsibility to to strive for, but we as consumers need to meet them halfway, I feel. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. There's no point saying somebody else has sorted out. We know Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we all have to take responsibility. So delighted that came through as such a key focus. And I know the final section then, guys, was all around the impact of loyalty. And Charlie, you already referenced it and, you know, I was delighted to see that. But any closing points in terms of the impact on loyalty as this particular white paper can illustrate? I think it's a really, it's such an important area. I think if anyone's sitting out there thinking, oh, I'm, I, I need a loyalty program or I've got one, is it working? I really think that as yeah. part of any planning process, the impact that you have um has to be the first thing that you think about. What am I trying to achieve? What's my North Star? Um, I work quite closely with the Loyalty Academy. I know you as well, Paula, are a sort of CLMP and it's the starting point. Like, what are you trying to achieve? So I think it's really important that you understand what your key drivers are. And we've sort of bucketed the the impact metrics that we look at into, you know, impact on hearts, impact Mm. on heads Mm. and impact on wallets. And I think that's quite (laughs) an interesting framework. I think what's going to happen 
women mm. in the next sort of couple of years is an increasing focus on impact on hearts. We saw it in Forrester where yeah. we all learned that emotion and emotional connection was the kind of the primary driver of loyalty and what really makes a difference. And I think what we're going to see is the ordering of those metrics change. So I think the decisions will be made on emotional connection, brand appeal, um, the new um, variable that we've looked at this, you know, how appealing is my brand because it offers a loyalty program? What impact does that have? Um, that came from Rob Chandler, who used to head up Sky VIP, actually. Yes. That's such a key metric. Yes. And I think what's what's so exciting in that is as a loyalty marketeer, it gives you a right to say, actually, what can I do that my members will love? And that yeah. then becomes the North Star for what we should be doing. And I think that's a very different question to, well, you know, how can I get the most value from this? Actually, how do we reduce churn? What yeah. can I genuinely do that my members will love yeah. um, will become sort of what happens? So I'm really looking forward to, you know, when we repeat the research in two mm. years, I think we're going to be really digging into that. And I imagine that when yeah. we sit there with Nick, we'll be going, well, actually, how do we, how do we, you know, what other variables should we be looking at? Because at the moment we just look at emotional connection and appeal, but there's such strong, you Know, strong metrics 48 percent of brits find a brand more appealing when it offers a loyalty program and 35 percent feel more emotionally connected you know that's mm. a really strong metric and i imagine that cmos out yeah. there for whom you know loyalty is only one of the strands that they're looking at will be actually looking to their loyalty programs to say well here's something really effective um, yeah. that i've already got in my armory that i can leverage to drive that that brand love so that yeah. probably for me i think is my kind of concluding thought on it that emotion is going to become so much more important I totally agree, Charlie. And certainly on this show, it's something we talk about all of the time. And anybody who's writing books about loyalty or, you know, really even on the academic side, for example, it's coming through consistently. So I think the big shift is instead of simply expecting customers to be loyal to us, we actually have to do that whole piece around loving your customers relentlessly and giving them every reason then to be loyal. But we've got to step up and we've got to start first. So I think you're absolutely right. It's there. It's um, being recognized, but definitely one I think is going to grow over time. So, Nick, any closing thoughts from you as you conclude this uh, super exciting? And I think your first time doing this work with Mando Connect, yeah? It was, yeah. Um, no, no, you know, I think we've we've covered some good ground today, and the the white paper genuinely is a, a fascinating read. I mean, it's loyalty isn't my my day to day. It's just a small part yeah. of our our work within my team. Um, but it's been yeah, it's been a real privilege to to be able to collaborate so closely with Charlie and and, and Mando at large, um, and of course to speak to you today. Fantastic. So listen, the the easiest place then, I guess, to get this white paper is mandoconnect.co.uk. Am I correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Well, listen, you heard it here, guys. Um, Hot off the presses, literally launched last week in London. So with that said, I'm going to say Nick Fishbourne, Group Account Director at YouGov, and of course, Charlie Hills, the Managing Director and Head of Strategy for Mando Connect. Thank you both so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This show is sponsored by The Loyalty People a global strategic consultancy with a laser focus on loyalty, CRM and customer engagement. The loyalty people work with clients in lots of different ways, whether it's the strategic design of your loyalty program or a full service, including loyalty project execution. And they can also advise you on choosing the right technology and service partners. 
on their website. The Loyalty People also runs a free global community for loyalty practitioners. And they also publish their own loyalty expert insights. So for more information and to subscribe, check out theloyaltypeople.global. so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.